I was baptized in water when I was about 15, but I didn't have the Spirit of God. I just didn't want to go to hell, and this is the way that I thought you kept going from to hell. So I went forward and was baptized in water. I was born again when I was 37. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Joan, you know these mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, sins? I thought they were mistakes. And at that point, I was born again. My life was changed completely. A few days after this happened, I was asleep in the night, and I was transported into heaven, similar to the one thing that's described in Second Corinthians chapter 12. I was transported into heaven. I was with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and at that time I was merged into the body of Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. It was so exciting to me. I, I, I just hadn't ever realized that this was what being a Christian was. A few nights later, the exact thing, same thing happened to me again. I was transported into heaven. In the night while I slept, I was with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God while God and the Holy Spirit witnessed. I was so on fire for things of God after that. All I wanted to do was read Bible, go to church, and go to our, a prayer group that was in our neighborhood. One day I went across the street to a business where they made copies of paper. I was waiting for one of the machines to be available when an older man came up to me and said to me, Little lady, you didn't park behind that green and gold car, did you? I replied, No, sir. And he said to me, That's a Baylor car. Baylor is a university in Texas, and I was living in Dallas at that time. It's a Baptist university. Then he said, you don't happen to be a Christian, do you? With much excitement, I answered, Oh, yes, I am. He got a disappointed look on his face and said, Oh, heck, I just joined the witnessing class at First Baptist Church, and you are the first person I have chosen to witness to. He was disappointed that I was a Christian. These are church games. <laughs> That's not the way you witness. You witness to the things of God by the Spirit of God that is in you, and then you are a witness. <laughs> you don't learn it in a class at First Baptist Church. When I lived in Clovis, New Mexico, USA, from 1985 to 2001, some teenage girls who were carrying pamphlets in their hand came to my front door. They rang the doorbell, and I answered the door. One girl said, We are here from Potter's House Church, and we have come to invite you to attend our church. 
I replied, Your pastor told me he did not want me to come to his church. Dead silence followed that. The girls just put their heads down, kind of looked at the ground, turned and walked away from our house with their pamphlets in their hand. Church games. In 1982, I was on radio from coast to coast. I was in Seattle to have a meeting for the radio audience at Seattle Center. Waiting outside the meeting room was the Seattle radio station manager. He had always been very friendly toward me, but this time he was very reserved. He said to me, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. If you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what might happen to you. We might have to put you off the air. The Holy Spirit arose in me and said the following. George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God then I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. You don't have the option of the message you speak. As a prophet, you speak whatever message God gives you. The churches always kill the prophets. In the 1990s, I was at a grocery store on a Sunday. I was standing in line waiting to check out. The woman in front of me began speaking to the cashier. It was obvious that the cashier attended the same church this woman attended. And this woman said something like, I can't believe you are working on a Sunday. In a humble way, the cashier began to try to explain why she was working on a Sunday. She said they needed me to work because the cashier who was scheduled became ill. The other woman began, continued to chastise this cashier. Finally, I spoke up and said, I can't believe you who want to live by the Old Testament laws are purchasing groceries on a Sunday. For if you want to live by rules of the Old Testament, you would not be allowed to be out of your house buying groceries on a Sunday. Neither woman said anything. I checked out, paid the groceries, and left. Once I was playing golf with two women, one was the Church of Christ member and the other a Methodist. The Methodist woman began complaining about those people who judge other people. The Holy Spirit in me arose and said to her, quote, If you judge, people are judging. Aren't you judging? End quote. She just gasp. It was like a balloon filled with hot air when you stick a pen in the balloon. Pam Paget has a very interesting story of a time in a non-denominational church in Oklahoma. 
when she signed up to go on a ministry trip. Here's Pam telling that story. I'll read it for you, but Pam wrote this. Many years ago, I was attending a non-denominational church and its singles group in Edmond, Oklahoma, the city where I went to college. After graduation, I moved about 30 miles away, but I continued to attend this church, although I no longer attended the singles group. I wanted to continue associating with the people in the singles group, so I sat with them during the Sunday morning service. However, when it became known that I had shared scripture warning of adultery to a man and a divorced woman who planned to marry, as well as to the woman who planned to be maid of honor, those in the singles group no longer wanted anything to do with me. I continued to attend this church, and I sat by myself rather than sitting with those in the singles group. Over the next few months, I noticed that those who sat in the singles area of the church building were not the people that I had known when I attended the singles group. Now they were different people. About that time, an announcement was made during the Sunday morning service that those in the singles group were going to Guyman, Oklahoma to minister to a church group there. I thought this would be a great opportunity to get to know the people now attending the singles group, and I signed up for the trip. It takes four to five hours to get to Diamond from Edmond. This trip was in the fall, which is a warm time of the year in Oklahoma, and we were to travel on three or four non-air-conditioned, rough-riding school buses. When I got on one of the buses to start the trip, I looked for someone to talk with, but no one showed even a smile. They were all involved in their own conversations with people they already knew and made no effort to welcome anyone new. So I sat in a seat by myself. Then I noticed a woman sitting a few seats behind me. She was crying, but no one around her seemed interested or even seemed to notice her. I was getting ready to go there to see if there was anything I could do to help this woman. But just then someone sat down in the seat next to her. For the entire trip to Gaiman, no one was friendly toward me. By the time we got off the buses in Gaiman, it was evening. Some people of the church group in Gaiman had offered to let people from our group stay at their homes. So after we got off the buses, we were assigned a home in which to stay. I was assigned to a home with the woman who had been crying together with another woman. We were to stay at the home of a widow who had opened her home to us. Linda, the single woman, uh, the woman who had been crying, and I visited with the woman who was very friendly. But the other woman from the singles group was upset because she wasn't assigned to stay at a home with her friends. So she went to her own room and didn't visit at all with any of us. These people were extremely rude. 
these single people in this from this church. Well, it seemed extremely rude to all of us, and especially to this widow who had opened her home to us and prepared for our stay. The next morning we were to go to a church service and minister. I asked one of the men who seemed to be in charge what we were to do to minister, but incredibly he couldn't answer my question. We just ended up singing a couple of songs and then left after the service riding on the school buses another four to five hours to get back home. Linda and I remained friends, but I didn't participate in any other singles events. It's an incredible story from this church group. Another story, and this happened to me, as a relatively new Christian in 1977, I went to a prayer group which met at a home in my neighborhood in Dallas, Texas. I liked the women in the group, and I became involved in a deliverance group where we went to homes to deliver those homes from demons from devils. Our goal was to cast devils out of the houses. <laughs> it was really great fun. And after we cast devils out of the houses, we went to eat at some nice restaurants in Dallas. Years later, I learned that devils do not live in houses, but rather devils lived in humans. One of the houses we went to belonged to Clint Murkison, who owned the Dallas Cowboy football team at that time. His wife, Anne, had invited us to come to the home and cast out devils. She was a divorced woman, divorced from Gil Brandt, who was the Wonder Boy scout for the Dallas Cowboy football team. The people I knew at that time were all very concerned that Gil Brandt might leave the Cowboys after he and Ann divorced, and she married the owner of the Cowboys. All that was important to us was winning. Gil Brandt was one of the main reasons the team was winning, because he found the talent. Forget adultery. I never recall anyone in the church circles even mentioning adultery in this divorce remarriage. Though Jesus says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And Jesus says, if the man divorces a faithful wife and she remarries, she commits adultery. But he will be the cause of her adultery. But I never heard anybody at church mention adultery. Another story. Several years ago, a pastor of a small church in San Angelo, Texas, invited me to speak to his church group. After I spoke, the pastor asked people who wanted prayer to come forward, and quite a few people came forward and a line formed up. The pastor asked me to pray for the people. I went up to one woman and I asked her, and what is it that you want from God? And she replied, I just want more of God. I said to her, God will tell me what you are doing. 
She became very agitated. She jumped up and began waving her hands in the air and in a very loud voice shouted, Oh no, Lord, don't tell her. Well, the whole congregation just burst out in laughter. I don't remember us praying for anyone else after that woman. Actually, we didn't pray for the woman, and that ended the service. Church games. People want to be involved in good works at church, and they sign up for all, all kinds of things at their churches without being led by God to do it. They're led by their churches. In John 21, Jesus said to Peter, verse 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girded thyself, and walked whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. You'd end up doing things you didn't want to go when you got older and followed God. Many of us did lots of strange and wonderful things in church groups. And many people continue to do these strange and wonderful things in church groups without hearing from God. Acts 17, Paul was at Athens. His spirit was stirred up in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. They were very superstitious in religions. They even had a, an idol to an unknown god just in case they missed anyone. Kind of reminds me of the joke where there was the old Indian who became a Christian and he decided to go to church. And they said, well, which church did you go to? And he said, well, all of them. He didn't want to take any chances. Well, that's what they were doing in Athens. Paul says, And the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man Jesus whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men that he hath raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus the Word will judge us. Now we draw much closer to the end time and the day of judgment. We will be judged by the Word. We will be judged by the things God has told us to do. How we did them, whether we did them, what we did. And some will put themselves into terrible situations because of this. We must agree with Scripture and correct ourselves by Scripture and follow those things shown us by the Holy Spirit of Jesus and do those things. Otherwise, we are in great danger of being turned away at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll read one more Scripture Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. All of those things that we do that seem good but have not been authored by God are works of iniquity. The good works are those things God has told us to do, and we obey them. In the early, mid-1970s, I owned a business in Dallas, Texas. I was en route to Albuquerque, New Mexico to buy merchandise for my business. As the plane was landing, I clearly heard from the Holy Spirit, be baptized. My Church of Christ cousin was picking me up at the plane. They loved to baptize people in water at the Church of Christ. I said to Jean, Jean, if you can't arrange it, I'll be baptized this afternoon before I return to Dallas. She said, but you've already been baptized. And I said, yes, but I wasn't born again. I could tell she didn't have any idea what I was talking about. We met at the Church of Christ that afternoon, and the young minister said to me, Would you like to say anything before you are baptized? Fifteen or so of my relatives were sitting there in the auditorium. I said, Well, yeah, I guess so. And I think I told the story about being baptized in water when I was 15, but I wasn't born again. And then I was born again when I was 38. And so... God had told me now I'll be baptized, and so I'm being baptized. Well, after I spoke, I, well, I noticed while I was speaking, my uncle was sitting there crying. After I, uh, when we went into the baptistry and the minister lowered me into water, I heard from the Holy Spirit, this is like being buried with Christ. And then as he raised me out of the water, I heard, this is like being raised with Christ. I didn't know Romans 6 at that time, but that's what it says in Romans 6. I dressed and went back down to the auditorium, and my uncle came to me, and he was crying. And he said, I've never heard anything like those things you spoke. Could you write that out for me and send it to me? And I said, well, I guess so. I'm sure when I returned to Dallas, I wrote it out and sent it to him. Looking back on it, I believe he was born again at the time I was speaking. That is the witness of God. That's the true witness of God. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through us to tell the things that God has done. That's the power of God. That's the work of God. That's the witness that we have. Thank you for letting me speak with you today.